Welcome back to the By the Numbers podcast, the official podcast of the Villanova Sports Analytics Club. Uh, I'm uh, your host, Noah, and I, I'm returning today without my usual co-host, Kevin, but I'm joined by uh, a, a guest who will be eventually uh, be making a lot more appearances as a, as a host in the future, uh, Will Bettner. Will, how's it going? You can introduce yourself a little bit to kind of uh, to our listeners. Hey, guys. My name's Will Bittner. I'm a sophomore uh, here at Villanova. Really excited to join Noah on this episode for the podcast today. Um, I am a dual major in philosophy and comm, and uh, my second year in the Sports Analytics Club. So super excited to to be able to get on this journey, get on this ride with some of you guys, and um, really, really get into it this year. So can't wait for this episode. For sure. And uh, yeah, we're really excited to be to be phasing in some new hosts over the course of uh, the rest of this year, and then moving into next year, we'll we'll try to hand off the reins because uh, me and then Kevin and Andrew, who's abroad right now, are all seniors, and we want to make sure that we can keep this the official podcast of the Villanova Sports Analytics Club. Uh, but without further ado, we will move on to a busy week three uh, with a lot of crazy games. I'm I'm trying to remember. There was a lot going on the weekend. Some some weird results. Uh, some teams you know, blowing out other teams, you know, the Jags over the Chargers. Uh, you, I mean, there's just some weird games. And then the Bears are two and one. You have some, some weird stuff in there. But we are going to take a specific angle today and three games in. We're at a bit of a, an interesting pivot point. Last year or last week, it was kind of a – you had a, a handful of 0-2 teams who really need to turn around. But now we have a, a handful of 1-2 teams who, you know, is an interesting group of 1-2 teams if you, if you break it down. And – I think it'd be interesting for us to go through some of them and try to determine which of these teams can turn the one and two start around and eventually kind of get back into playoff talk contention in whatever that may be. Uh, so, Will, I'll pass it over to you first. I, we have a list of, of one and two teams. I'll let you pick which team that you want to start talking about. Right. So first off for me, uh, I'm going to go with the, the, those guys out of the AFC, the defending AFC champions, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I'm a big believer in the Bengals this year. I think that one and two record really does not reflect the strength of this team. Just look and start with their with the their stats for the first three weeks. I mean, they've scored 64 points. They've allowed 55. Uh, 55 points allowed is the lowest in their division. It's actually a top 10 stat across all the league's defenses. Uh, I really think that that this defense that led them to the Super Bowl last year is capable of getting them back there. If you look at their three games they've played, they've lost pretty much both of them by three points. Uh, one of them, that game against the, against the Steelers, really hard. They went all the way down, had a chance to win it in regulation, even with Joe Burrow throwing five picks. I think that just really shows how good their defense is. Uh, then you look at the opposite side of the ball, the flip side. I believe that that connection with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is is a top five duo in the league. I mean, last year playing incredible football, the two of them obviously having that repertoire at LSU, bringing that to the NFL. I think that um, that big thing is that offensive line. You know, last year they had a bottom five offensive line, made it to the Super Bowl. This year they claim to strengthen up that offensive line. I, I think that it's still bottom five, bottom 10. I don't think it's really clicked yet. Uh, I think that it, it can click and that Burrow's going to kind of get this offense going. Uh, him and Chase going to figure out some of the route concepts they like going forward. But I really am a big believer in the Bengals. I think they're going to be 
definitely in the playoffs, probably a contender to win the AFC again, um, depending on what Kansas City does, um, and and along with the LA Chargers. So that's what I got there. Interesting. I I think I need to see one more week from them, or at least maybe two more, because they they have the Dolphins on Thursday night football, which is a huge game, given the way the Dolphins have, have played through the first first three weeks. That's uh, a game. Yeah, that's, that's a great, great Thursday night game compared to like the Monday night game that we had last night, which is yeah. the first half was awful. But to anyway. all you guys listening out there, I would tune into that Thursday night game if you're really trying to get a scope of the AFC. Um, those The Dolphins down in South Beach, they've played some great football so far. And the Bengals, obviously, the defending AFC champion. So if you're really trying to get a scope of the AFC, tune in on Thursday night, 815 on Amazon. Yeah, but I, I think I'd echo your point on the offensive line, where especially in the game against the Steelers, uh, TJ Watt was in was crazy in that game. I mean, it, it, the fact that they threw four picks and essentially should have won the game if not for a missed extra point is – I mean, it's just a weird game that it's like it's hard to judge a team by that. And you know, if you take that game away, it's like one and one against, you know, a, a, a Dallas team in another game that was, you know, a three-point game. Uh, and then taking care of the Jets, which is what you want to see a little bit of a bounce back. And I agree, Jamar Chase is a stud if they pick it up. I mean, top five receiver, no doubt. He He's just – even like in, in the first game against the Steelers in a game where Burrow threw four picks, he had some absurd catches that – some of that didn't count. Um, so – Noah, let me I, ask you thoughts on uh, T. Higgins and that kind of other complimentary receiving core to Jamar Chase – I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? You think they can pick that up, and really, it's I think it's really about them developing a repertoire with Burrow later on in the season, kind of like they did last year. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, that's a I mean, looking at the one, two, three, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, that's a pretty elite, you know, one, two, three from a wide from a you know wide receiver core. Um, yeah, I, I think just being able to click a little more. Tyler Boyd only had 14, has only had 14 targets through the, the first three games of the year, only 155 yards. Uh, so getting some of those guys more involved, uh, it's hard to know. I think we still need a little bit more of a sample size to see how these all these guys are, are clicking together. Um, I mean, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins have uh, a pretty high, high yards per target number so far in the season, which is encouraging, but definitely need a little bit more volume there. Um, I, I think in theory, it's, it's a – I mean, they've got – their skill positions are stacked. I mean, Hayden Hurst is a decent tight end, but you also have Joe Mixon plus that wide receiving core. So um, high power offense, offensive line needs to mold a little bit better. I don't know. It, it, it's not been super encouraging uh, through the first couple of weeks. 15 sacks in the first three weeks is not not great. Yeah. Um, Compared so, to 51, 51 last year. And I mean, if they stayed on that pace of allowing five sacks a game, <sighs> it gets you to 85. I mean, that, that might break a few records in the, in the sack book, but I would say Joe Burrow might not be able to play football again after this year, but. Oh, yeah. That, that is an unsustainable number from a just team success and player health perspective as well. hundred um, percent. I, I, so I want to talk quickly about the Tennessee Titans who I, you know, I think there's some other teams on, on this list who are like, who are better. Uh, I do want to talk about the 49ers and the Cardinals and the Chargers. I think those three teams are also probably, you could have an argument for those, but the Titans first, I think going into the season, I mean, they, they obviously haven't looked great and they barely just eked it out against the Raiders, which isn't, you know, ideal, but 0-2, they lost a game in week one where they probably kind of should have won. Oh, they, they definitely should have won. They had an opportunity to kick game-winning field goal against the Giants and couldn't. 
that's kind of a nail biter. Um, they get blown out by the Bills. The Bills are an elite football team, one of the top Super Bowl favorites. So you can't knock them too much. They didn't look great at all in the game. But I would say, you know, week four, we got a matchup with the Colts, which is an AFC South. You know, that's a pretty key game for a Colts team that's one, one, and one. Titans are one and two. If they can get that that win to go two and two, I think that's a positive result. I don't know. I'm I'm probably still lean pessimistic for the Titans. I think Mike Vrabel's tenure, this 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 version of the Titans could be coming to an end uh, pretty soon. And I, I, their their offense really just hasn't been the same uh, since the departure of their offensive coordinator and replacement by Todd Downing. So I just want to note that I'm not bearing them yet, but I think they're 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 on the edge, but also could rescue. They're they're a team that's kind of you know embodying the idea of it could go either way given the result of next week. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how they're going. Have you, have you been able to see the Titans at, at all early in the year? Yeah, I have. I've been able to look at a little bit of, little bit of tape on the Titans. And one thing I really think that needs to happen is Ryan Tannehill's got to spread the ball around just a little bit more. Um, and I think that he's like what, one of those spreads has to go to his top guy, the guy who's brought in to be the wide receiver one in, in Robert Woods. I think that through three weeks, Robert Woods has gotten four, seven, and then uh, four, five, and then seven targets. And I think that number needs to be up around seven, eight, nine per game. Um, he's an incredible receiver, really did well with the Rams. Uh, I think that that the Titans are really losing something in not targeting Robert Woods, especially down in the red zone. This guy two years ago, you know, he had five touchdowns through the first five weeks. So he was averaging a touchdown per game for the Rams. I think Vrabel is, yes, I agree with you, Noah. I think that tenure could be coming to an end if the Titans kind of don't capitalize and at least make the postseason this year. Um, but with probably one of the best running backs in the league, in my opinion, plus they've got uh, Robert Woods on the outside. You know, they struggle inside on that inside receiving core. Obviously, Julio Jones didn't work out last year, but I feel like that their scheme could hold up uh, with with being a power power run team but I think that when it comes time to throwing the football that adjustment has to be made and, and Robert Woods needs to be a bigger part of the offense for for the Titans to have some success yeah I think that that wide receiver core has has been kind of you know the shaky part after trading away AJ Brown um, I I think that's a good point in terms of you've got a guy you draft a guy in Traylon Burks but you need a bit of a more veteran influence within the locker at least within the wide receiver room uh, just to be able to mesh, make that mesh a little bit more and, and you know, make the offense a little bit more coherent. Uh, it, it's been – it's a weird situation because the Buffalo Bills game was almost entirely garbage time. Uh, I didn't get to watch a lot of the Raiders game, um, but Colts game next week, big divisional matchup. Uh, I think that could be uh, a big game in determining kind of the outlook for, for the rest of their season. Uh, and I want to throw it back to you. Your choice of three these three teams, the Chargers, the 49ers, or the Cardinals. Which one of those three teams? Because I want to talk about some of the one of those teams, some of those teams. Wh which one of those interests you the most? Yeah, so I'm going to really take the Chargers on this one. I, I think that um, it's it, this is surprising to me that the Chargers are one and two. I mean, the, the biggest thing is I can look at the injuries, and you can look at Justin Herbert getting hurt against the Chiefs, um, broken ribs, and then their their stud wide receiver Keenan Allen, who in my mind he's probably a top three receiver in the league one of the best route runners behind Devonte Adams and Stefan Diggs. He was out for the chiefs game and uh, last or this past Sunday against the Jags. 
Uh, I think it's really they've just they've just been unlucky. I mean, for Herbert to get hurt the way he did, um, and then for Allen to have that hamstring injury that's kind of plagued him throughout his career. I thought that Chiefs game. I watched a little bit of that Chiefs game. Wow! I mean, that was an entertaining game. I, I loved that game. Back back and forth between duel between two of the best, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, going at it, and you know, no Allen for for the Chargers, and they still make it interesting and. It's just like, you know, gladiators throwing punches back and forth. And I loved, loved the way that game worked out. Obviously, it didn't fall the Chargers' way. Herbert could barely throw the ball at the end. Um, I really think that last week was, was just Herbert needed to play because he wanted to play. And I think they should have sat him. I, I don't know if I'm – I think, Noah, what you talked about earlier was sample size. I think it's too early to be a believer in the Jags yet. But um, – I think with with the Chargers, I think they're going to end up as one of the top five teams in the league when it's all said and done. Uh, and I think that Justin Herbert getting healthy from now that they know what his injury is, he can get healthy this week in practice, um, and they'll play Sunday. Uh, at Keenan Allen is expected to play Sunday as well. So I think as they get healthier, they can get hot at the right time, and I think they're going to end up as one of the one of the t- just like people said that preseason hype. I believe it. I think they're going to end up battling out the Bengals and and the Chiefs in the in the end of the AFC. Yeah, I, I like to think so as well because Justin Herbert just has that type of talent, that that, that arm that you kind of just want to bet on the team. Uh, and you hit on a point that I want to touch on too is the injuries are really stacking up um, this past week. Joey Bosa um, kind of going to be missing some time. Uh, it looks like with a groin injury, and then Rashawn Slater uh, tackled the draft two years ago out for the year with a torn bicep is a really tough uh, for a team that's so far struggled in the rushing game uh, dead last in terms of rushing yards overall this year. And having those two guys out, JC Jackson kind of on a, sounds like is injured probably coming back, but a very a two key defensive players out um, is definitely something to watch to see if this defense, I mean, you have Brandon Staley as a coach who's kind of a you know defensive guru, but they're definitely going to need to adjust there. Um, and one of the things to talk about last week is, they don't, you know, Justin Herbert has you know, this the arm, the you know, the arm strength, but they don't have a lot of guys. Like, you know, you look at Mike Williams, he's not gonna it's not a guy who's like burning, you know, corners on like deep routes. So it's harder to take advantage of that. The, the offense just moves a little bit slower. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think the Chargers can turn it. Well, at least I hope the Chargers can turn it around. Um yeah. the, the defense is definitely gonna have to adjust. Um, but you know, you gotta, sorry. One of those guys that, that you just said. Uh, Mike Williams, I think he attracts a ton of attention, especially that Chiefs game. It's a big breakout game for him. I think he's the real deal. I do think that when you talked about they need a deep ball guy, I would really watch for this to all our listeners out there. But when you watch the Chargers play, look at those plays that Joshua Palmer is in the game. When the, when Josh Palmer's in the game, number five, big body on the outside, I think he, they're going to be throwing deep, looking for him with kind of those deep posts or go routes. Maybe some fly, some fly go patterns on the opposite side of Mike Williams. I really think that that he is going to get more involved here um, as the Chargers be get Herbert healthier and are able to go back down the field. Um, just some, just something to be aware of has come up in in, in a lot of discussions um, since Herbert got injured. That and and along with Keenan Allen, that Josh Palmer can start to take a bigger role in that uh, in that deep threat passing game. Right. So we'll we'll touch on one more team in this one and two category. 
Uh, and I think I want to go with the Cardinals instead of the 49ers because the, the Cardinals aren't dealing with an injury quarterback. Uh, how, how much of the Cardinals have you been able to see this year? What, what have you thought of, of Kyler Murray bringing in Hollywood Brown? What, what have you thought about this, this version of the Cardinals? Yeah, so I, I'm really I, – I really actually, to be honest, no, I don't know what to think of the Cardinals. I think it's hard to tell. Obviously, they got their best player suspended in DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Kyler Murray's been kind of just, you know, if, in a sense, actively figuring it out on one leg because he doesn't have his main man on, his, on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's it's very hit or miss with him in Hollywood because um, he's so new to the offense. I think last week was a big telltale sign. 17 targets, uh, 14 catches. Uh, I think it was a really great showing from his part. I think that Kyler Murray's kind of noticing until DeAndre Hopkins is, gets back. That's the, that's the guy he's got to go to. Um, it's the guy he's got to trust. My biggest question is that defense. I really I don't know what to make of that defense. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, but to me, it's like they've got so many guys that could stand out. I mean, J.J. Watt, I think, is at the end of his career. Buda Baker is a guy who I think could, like, be really good, but then as soon as he starts to have a good game, he's, you know, blowing up coverages in the next week. And I, I don't I don't know. I think that that they have all the talent in the world. It's just about putting it together. And I, I'd, I'd be curious to what you think of the, of the Cardinals. I mean, are they the real deal? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough question. That's definitely one of the tougher teams because you look at their schedule, they played a really tough schedule. And to the point of their defense, I'm probably not as optimistic as you are because I, I would agree that guys like Buda Baker and J.J. Water a little bit. J.J. Watts like lives on the injured reserve almost at this point, which is a little frustrating for sure. Uh, no Chandler Jones. So, you know, coming into the year, wasn't super optimistic based on just kind of the amount of, you know, kind of not super familiar with like every single player that plays in the corners, but just you know, external rankings of certain position categories wasn't super optimistic about uh, their defense and they come out week one and, and go 44 to the chiefs, which isn't, you know, you can't, it's not like the worst thing in the world because it's the chiefs, but it's not a great, you know, it's not a great look either. Um, being able to be the Raiders in, oh, I forgot about that. That game was crazy too. The game that they very well could have lost. Um, and yeah, that, uh, that was a crazy game too. So they played two or one game was a blowout. Game with the Raiders that was, you know, borderline, and then this uh, the Rams game most recently where they lost by eight. So I, I probably need, need to see them play again. I mean, it's a lot of needing to see them play again, I guess. But I as, as you know, in hindsight, probably not ready to bury anything. But they're at the Panthers next week, uh, so I, I would like to see a convincing performance from them, especially from Kyler Murray being able to mesh a little bit more. Hollywood Brown has been getting the majority of the targets, uh, so they can really develop a relationship that that would definitely cushion the kind of re-entry of DeAndre Hopkins into the offense. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not a big Cliff Kingsbury guy either. Um, so an, another guy like Mike Vrabel, should this, should this turn sour, could be on his way out the door as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. At, at the Panthers next week, you think they, what, what are your expectations? What are you hoping to see from them? I, I, I would piggyback off of what you said. I totally agree with that with that stud Kyler Murray performance. He's got to put on a show against Carolina, a team that they should definitely beat handily with the talent that they have in their roster. Like I said before, I think it's all about the cohesion and the chemistry that they have defensively and offensively. Um, I think that the Hollywood Brown target share is, is good. I think it's, it's a very good starting point. They need 
to go somewhere from there. I think that that James Conner has fallen out of the offense uh, a little bit. They've gotten away from you know consistently running the ball because I think that he was such a stud last year that teams have started to key in on the fact that he is a real weapon, um, and they want to see what Kyler can do with his arm. And so I think against kind of a weak Panther secondary, um, you know, they got J.C. Horn on the outside. He's a second-year guy. I, I really don't think that that he's going to pose much of a threat to Hollywood Brown. So I, I I totally agree with you. I think there's kind of the pressure on for Kyler to go out and have a big day. Um, that Kingsbury point though was interesting. I I really I'm actually a believer in Cliff Kingsbury. Last year they they were seven and zero and um, rolled in and lost to the lost to Green Bay. And um, obviously it's hard to beat Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the greatest of all time. But you know it's it's a uh, I think he's got that franchise moving in the right direction. Like I said, I think, you know, missing DeAndre Hopkins, having a guy like J.J. Watt as your leader on defense who's at the back half of his career, it's hard to have. So I think he could stick around even if they had a mediocre season this this season just because of the suspension to Hopkins and, you know, starting late. But I really think that once Hopkins gets back in the fold, the Cardinals can make some noise in that in that NFC West, depending on you know where they stand after the end of the six weeks. Definitely agree with that because we've seen the Rams be a little bit shaky in their first couple of games. Definitely not looking the same. Uh, but we will we will shift gears a little bit to kind of look at the the two three and teams. Uh, glad the Giants lost because they would have been the third three and team uh, had they had they beat the Cowboys. Um, but I'll give you the pick: Eagles, Dolphins. Who do you want to talk about? Who do you want to start with? Let's let's start with the hometown team here in Philadelphia. Let's start with the Eagles. Um, I, I'm personally not a believer in the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I think that uh, the, the fact that the Eagles have played three games so far, two of the teams that they've played, my opinion, are bottom tier teams in the league. I think the Vikings came out and they, they had a nice showing against Green Bay. I think that Green Bay has a, has a history of starting terrible in week one and, you know, going out to finish the year with an incredible record. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers did it. He's back-to-back MVPs, um, four-time MVP. I, I really think that they had a nice showing in week one, haven't really been able to, to get it going in the past two weeks. So I think for them to beat a Vikings team, was an expected win. And then the commanders are just, I am not a believer in Carson Wentz. For them to go out and beat him 24 to 8, I thought they could have scored 40 plus. Um, I think that the the biggest question from I'm I'm just I can't hop on the Jalen Hurts bandwagon just yet. I really think that 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 week one game is I'm gonna make a statement. I think the Detroit Lions are are a really solid football team. I think that they have had some really tough years in the past, but Dan Campbell has that team on the right direction. He's got the right mindset for all that, for that group of players. Um, Jared Goff, I think can re resurrect himself in Detroit this year after the past couple of years have been, been really hard for him, but that game in week one is a telltale sign. I thought that was a really, really nice showing by the Eagles, but I, I'm not a believer. I think that, I think that the, their upcoming schedule having to play in my mind, like four out of the next six weeks, they've got teams that are in the top 10 in the league. In my opinion, those offenses are, are really good. They've got then green Bay. They've got Arizona on the schedule. 
I, I think I think that they they could fold a little bit in the middle of the season. Um, so I, I would I would pass it over to you. No, I don't know how much of a how, of a birds fan you are or believer, um, but I I really question toward toward you that how much do you believe in Jalen Hurts? Like, is it maybe if he doesn't have a great year? Is it is it time to move on if you're the Eagles? Yeah, that, that was I mean, that was that just definitely the question coming into the year was is Jalen Hurts the guy because you have this roster that is just stacked. Um, and is he gonna be able to guy that's gonna be able to plug him in at quarterback, make it go with you know, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith? Uh, and so far, I think that the answer to that has to be undoubtedly yes. Uh, I mean, the team ranks third in the league and in, in passing yards so far. It's been, you know, they had the shootout week one with the Lions. Um, bit of an interesting game. I, I would agree. I think Dan Campbell and Lions are doing, doing great stuff there. Vikings game, they benefited from three turnovers. So hard to evaluate too much there. And commanders, I mean, you know, give Devontae Smith his credit. That was an incredible – he had an incredible game there, especially in the first half. Uh, yeah, 156 yards in the first half. I got to take my hat off to the guy. That was incredible. So, yeah. a Heisman, you know, remind, remind me that he was a Heisman winner, in fact. Uh, I, I think I'd agree. Jaguars next. I never thought I'd be saying like Jaguars next week is like a test. Like, but I think it has to be like, it's like the first team that, you know, actually looks good. I mean, Jaguars, Cardinals, Cowboys. So that's three decently hard teams. I mean, a, a lot has been talked about how the Eagles have a, a decently easy schedule overall. And, you know, they exist within this NFC East that is just shaky. Um, which is, I guess, an optimistic description of the NFC East with like the commanders and uh, quarterback list Cowboys and Giants. So I, I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than you are, but I, I definitely do want to see more kind of under pressure moments. Like, in the like, can Jalen Hurts lead a two minute drive to win a game? Can he like deliver throws when it's kind of really important? Um, but I mean, they, that's just a talented roster who has undoubtedly played well so far. Yeah. I, I do have to add, I think that that when you just touched on that Jags Eagles game, for me that's that's my game. That's my game to watch this week. I think that it really could tell if the Jaguars have it headed in the right direction. If they can beat the Eagles and send them to three and one, wow! I mean, that'd be a big. Once again, people I think are forgetting about this. Doug Peterson returning to Philly. Um, I think that's as a head coach. That's that's huge. So uh, if he can pull off a statement win, they did just. I, I mean. This is, I know the Rams are, are not figuring it out right away, but they did just beat the, the defending champs by, by, by 20 plus points. So 38 to 10, you know, Trevor Lawrence had a heck of a game. Christian Kirk has played unreal, uh, really resurrected himself in Jacksonville. So I think that that's the game of the, that's the game of the week right there. Jacksonville and, and Philadelphia as, as funny as it sounds, but it, it's a really telltale sign for both squads. Yeah. We, we are going to, Jaguars aren't kind of on our, our line of things to talk about today, but two and one for the Jaguars looked really good so far. Yeah, I'm thinking they, they win they, out there. Yeah, if they if they win next week, we will absolutely be talking about them. Uh, but our other three and zero team that's going to be the Miami Dolphins, and that can we talk about the Dolphins? We can also talk about that within the context of the AFCs, which is kind of the direction we're headed as well. So Miami Dolphins beating the Bills in a blockbuster game that was it was a little bit of weirdness in that game I, I watched a lot of the game you had the the butt punt which was hilarious and then the bills ended up the clock running out of them both into halftime and at the end of the game before they could get a drive to win the game i mean I, the bills 
for the Reds should have won the game. Tua shouldn't have even played because of the concussion. I mean, a lot going on. What is what is your opinion been of? Or I, I can start with a on this as well. So the Dolphins. I mean, it has to start with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Both they're the only two players in the team with over six targets. So they're just dominating the kind of eyes of Tua so far. And and Tua has been solid. I'm, you know, he's another guy that I was skeptical of coming into the season. I think the Alabama quarterbacks as a collective was just kind of, how are they going to do? I mean, 72 for 101 so far in this year for eight touchdowns is solid performance. Able to beat the Ravens in that week two game, 42-38, despite two turnovers. So I'm encouraged by the ability to incorporate uh, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle into the offense. I think Mike McDaniel's doing a, a good job. Uh, eighth in the league in scoring and, and 16th in terms of points against. So they've got some playmakers on uh, the defense side of the ball as well. Uh, they did get torn apart by Baltimore, though. So I'm I think the the offense could just be able to carry the team to some wins. And I'm you know beating the Bills on week three is just big in terms of thinking about how you know the playoff picture within the AFC East because that becomes a hyper competitive division now because the Dolphins have a win over them. It's, it's three, no two and one, but still, you know, if, if the Dol- I mean, Dolphins have Cincy next week, which is a big game as we, we've already talked about Cincy being solid. Um, so I'm cautiously optimistic in a team that I think, you know, I've wanted to see more, but Tyreek Hill has fit in pretty well. Both Tyreek Hill, John Waddle over 300 yards in the year. It's just like a lot of they're, they're able to stretch the field in ways they weren't able to last year. Uh, I'm tentatively excited, although I could see it, I could definitely see it crumbling down at some point because I'm st- I'm still not entirely sold on Tua yet. What do you think about the Dolphins and the AFC East more generally? So Noah, you're you might be surprised, but this is I'm a huge believer in the Miami Dolphins. I I really think that I I have watched all three of their games, not start to finish, but. I have watched a lot of their 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 first three games, and I got to give a massive hats off to Mike McDaniel. I think he has done an incredible job with this roster that he has. I mean, sure, the addition of of Tyreek Hill is great, but facing all the questions with the media and and just with the way Tua has played since he's been in the NFL, I think he's done an incredible job with with his play sheet. I mean. He is not forced credit. I credit Hill and Waddle because they've run such crisp routes. They know when to, it's allowed Tua to not be able to force the throws that he was forcing in the past couple of years. And I think McDaniel has drawn up plays saying, all right, listen, we just want to get the ball out of your hands and get it to these two guys on the outside that can make it happen. We know, you know, we know you can play. Let's just like, let's just see what you can do and ease you into this season. By easing him into this season, they've got three wins under their belt against, I hate to say it, but I think the Ravens are a great squad. And I think that the Bills are obviously a Super Bowl contender. So, um, I mean, two out of those teams, those those are two out of those three games, those are two teams that are top ten in the league. One of them's debatably the best team in the league. So I I am big hats off to to that offense more specifically. I think the defense is the question. But Tua in particular, I'm just I'm so impressed with the Hill and Waddle uh, connection on the opposite side of the field. You know, Tyreek Hill's Tyreek Hill. I had some doubts. Was he going to be the same Tyreek Hill 
going from Patrick Mahomes to somebody like Tua Tungavailoa. But, I mean, Jalen Waddles come on super strong. Obviously, that shootout with Baltimore, the way they were able to transition, I was watching that game, the way they were able to transition their play sheet to go from Tua just getting it out five, 10-yard passes, slants, out routes, digs, to launching 48, 60, 48 to 60 yard bombs down the field. Like Tyreek had a 48 yard bomb, 60 yard bomb to him. Uh, Jalen Waddle had a 32 yard catch. Like the way they were able to pick it up and Tua was able to, you know, express that confidence that he had in his deep ball. I loved it. I, I really think though that I, I love their squad. I think that they're, they're definitely for real um, in that AFC East. Obviously, that win against Buffalo that you touched on was huge um, as they get them again. But to get a win under your belt, one if they go one and one against Buffalo, you know, they got to go to Orchard Park. But I think that um, that it's just it's that's a huge win for them in the division and then overall in the AFC. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I wanted to get your thoughts, though, on the Hill-Waddle connection with Tua especially against this type of defense with Cincy that they have actually a really good defense, you know, defending AFC champs, as we touched on earlier. What do you think to, if let's say they take away Tyreek and Waddle really well, where's to a go? How does he perform? Can he get it done with his legs? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know, because I think there's also a bit of a health element in there that you, it's not something that you kind of want to factor in, but having left the game with a concussion a little bit, it could could possibly limit his ability to, to be able to play make. Um, I think Chase Edmonds is a solid back, so if I can get the run game started a little bit. Um, and, you know, you have Jalen Waddle and Terry Kill, so I feel like it's it's hard to eliminate those two guys entirely. So um, if you it, – it's like these, these are really great yak guys, so even if you're running sample routes and kind of just getting the balls in their hands, like they can make plays in open field. Um, Mike Jaziki as well is like – it's a six, six tight end who uh, is, you know, potentially an underrated tight end in the league who spreads another weapon for them. Who's I mean, he's six, six and supremely athletic. So it, it's another guy that's kind of hard to, hard to defend against. So I think they have a handful of weapon, weapons as well. I mean, Mike just he doesn't have a ton of targets on the year. He's six targets, but a touchdown catch among those targets. So um, it's, I, I think there's some available potential within the team outside of those two guys. Uh, should a team try to focus on stopping one of them. I just want to add on that defensive side of the ball, because you, you, I am also skeptical of that defense, but I got to give a shout out to um, Xavier Howard. I mean, wow, has he done a, a really good job? And obviously he was a top corner coming in, but I think he really solidified himself last week with um, Stefan Diggs probably being, you know, for the first two weeks, the best receiver in football, 122 and 148 yards receiving, four touchdowns in those two weeks. Coming in and going, Bills having to go on the road, but defending it at home. Josh Allen throwing for 400 yards, only 71 of those going to digs, his top option. And, you know, no touchdowns. And the the way that that defense was able to play in the red zone, while they did give up the 400 yards passing to Allen, I think that the way they played in the red zone, if they could continue to play like that, it doesn't matter what they do in the first, you know, 60 yards of the field. In the last like 40 yards, 30 yards of the field, if they're able to play really well and lock down their wideouts, lock down the opposing wideouts, plus, you know, keep it keep it controlled in the ground game, they can win any game. 
Because if you can hold teams to field goals, touchdowns, instead of touchdowns, that's the difference in the game right there. So shout out to uh, Xavier Howard. Yeah, I agree. They, they still have some playmakers, even if they are giving up a, a lot of points. But uh, we'll shift gears a little bit and move on to college football, a busy weekend in college football where we saw uh, a lot of interesting results, a lot of kind of a common thing that I think that we saw is a lot of shaky contenders and, and a lot of upsets, actually. Uh, so um, I we can just immediately start off with um, kind of the, one of the higher end teams that struggled a little bit. Um, and we don't have to spend too much time in this game because they did still end up winning. But Michigan winning versus Maryland, uh, definitely their kind of their first real quote unquote opponent of the year um, and weren't able to immediately put it away. Um, you know, still able to maintain some sort of efficiency on offense, but uh, Maryland found a lot of success as well. Um, both teams being able to move the ball pretty successfully, Michigan not being able to stop the run very well. Um, but it seems that J.J. McCarthy has been established as the, the starting quarterback for them. Um, I know Alex, who's also part of the club, is a big Michigan fan and has been talking about them a lot. Uh, but I did want to give mention to them. I, I don't know if you saw this game or, or watched Michigan at all, but um, – I, they were a little bit shaky despite still have, maintaining kind of control over the game for most of the, the entire game. Yeah, I would. I, I agree. They, they were shaky. No, I'm going to go out there and say it. I mean, I know they made the playoff last year and they had a great squad and I am not, I, I think it starts at the quarterback position. And I don't know if I'm totally sold on JJ McCarthy. I'm going to go back to a debate that I just had with my, my, my fake fan buddy, uh, Ryan Jordan is my roommate, but he was talking about the fact that McCarthy has played really well and, and he did win the job for McNamara uh, outright. And I, I just don't see it. I, I see him more of as a highlight real quarterback. You know, he makes a lot of, he can make plays, but do I see him as a guy who are like, okay, Michigan's going to win the national championship or a, coming from, you know, a school that they probably should be in the playoff and be in contention. I think that if I had to predict it, I really don't. I, I think there's going to be a couple bad losses in there. Um, as you get into the winter time, obviously up in Michigan, I don't think McCarthy's going to be able to handle that pressure against Ohio state. Um, even a team like Penn state or um, that team, the Wisconsin Badgers look also really good on the ground game uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know if Michigan's going to be able to keep up, um, with those teams, but I think that Big Ten play, as soon as they get into the teeth of it, I think it's going to be really interesting to how he responds. But um, that would be my prediction. I I didn't watch a ton of the Maryland game. I did see some of the clips from from uh, from Maryland's touchdowns and some of those touchdown drives. And it's more that um, I did look at an interesting thing is how many times was Michigan able to respond when Maryland scored and they had three, three and outs in the game right after Maryland scored. And that allowed Maryland to stick around and obviously make it a, what ended up being a six point game at the end. So um, I don't know if I'm totally sold on Michigan and specifically JJ McCarthy. Yeah. I think he's a, a young quarterback. Again, I, I haven't been able to get a lot of eyes on him as well. Um, but again, looking at their schedule, it's, you know, talking about big 10 play. I mean, the type of big team, I mean, they play Penn state. Who's going to be a tough, a tough play, but Iowa, who has scored 14 games in their first two games combined, really rough offense. Indiana's having a down year. Uh, I think Michigan State lost this past weekend. Um, I'll just verify that real quick. But they also play Rutgers, who just lost to Iowa. 
Um, yeah, Michigan State got uh, blown out by Minnesota this past weekend. So it's looking like they're having another down year. So Michigan's not going to have a ton of competition outside of the, the Ohio State game at the end of the year. So it very well could be the case where, I mean, that's just, you know, game of the season essentially. Um, and I don't know. I, I think I'd agree with you on your kind of skepticism. Uh, is there another one of these games or, or teams that you're uh, particularly interested in talking about? Yeah, I think the other interesting game that, that happened over the weekend was was where game day was and in that Tennessee-Florida game. I, I, I think that the the way Florida played, I thought the reaction from the media was people were surprised that Florida played as well as they did. And I wasn't. I, I Something that I, I love – I love that was said was uh, Kirk Herbstreit talked about this on the show was the fact that Florida has been a little disrespected. You know, they beat Utah at home when Utah was the number seven or six team in the country. Um, I really, I really got to give a lot of credit to their defense. What, what they're doing on the, uh, especially off the edge is, is something else they've got. I think it is. Yeah. They've got seven sacks through their first three weeks and their their quarterback pressures are the most in the SEC. I think that the defense is is really playing well. They've got three more quarterback pressures than Alabama, which is a close second. So I think that the anytime, obviously, it's an old saying in football, you got a great defense, you got a chance to compete for any championship. So I really, I really am strong uh, on Florida, even though they didn't end up beating Tennessee, which Tennessee should have won that game a little bit more handily based off the fact that Florida's not ranked, I thought that was a, a really well-played game by the Florida Gators. I don't know if you got to ch- watch that, Noah, but they, they've got a great squad. Maybe if you got to see a little bit of that Utah-Florida game back in the a couple weeks ago, but I really think Florida could be slept on and make some noise maybe at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I agree that they might be getting underrated a little bit. I mean, they did end up losing to Kentucky last week. Um, and I think there's still some question marks with Anthony Richardson, who – Got his first passing touchdown of the season in this game. Uh, finished with two touchdowns and an interception, which isn't lighting the world on fire, but 453 yards is, is solid. I don't know how much to take at value this Tennessee defense, um, which, I mean, this Tennessee team is is mostly just a, a you know, it's a, it's a Josh Heupel, you know, air, you know, air raid, you know, get as many touchdowns as possible. And Hinden Hooker, I think, had a very good game. He's, and this Tennessee team, team this Tennessee team's going to be, a top 10 team in two or three weeks going to play Alabama. So, uh, I mean, this is a big one for them. Definitely should have been more handy. I, I, Hinden Hooker is, I think, can play himself into the Heisman conversation if he keeps playing uh, as well as he did and, and definitely showed some toughness in this game uh, after having an injury at some point. Uh, but, yeah, pretty elite offensive performance on both sides of the ball from an advanced statistic perspective, uh, the EPA per play, uh, both in the 90-plus percentile. Uh, but yeah, Tennessee versus Alabama in a couple of weeks is going to be must watch, um, which is a weird thing to say given the track record of Tennessee in the past. Um, I so I just moving. I got to say on that sorry. to add a note on that Tennessee Bama game. I think a player who's come on last week and this week for the Bulls is is Brew McCoy on the outside. I really think that you know Andrew Hooker obviously McCoy had a, five catches for a hundred. Uh, two yards last week and a touchdown. That's I mean, this guy, huge receiver. He's about six foot five. Really can play. Uh, I think I think he's a 
a really big deep threat um, for for the Vols and um, really big dude. I, I think that that this guy he could present a matchup problem for Alabama based on the way that you know Bama's played early in the season. They haven't really been threatened with too much. I mean, they, they had the game against Texas. I know that was a little bit of a scare, but once again, they, they Texas presented a little bit of an outside challenge. Obviously, Quinn Ewers got got hurt early in the early in the game, but they were Texas was clicking early on. I mean, they threw a couple deep balls that Bamo just wasn't able to keep up with, and I think that Brew McCoy being a great deep threat, and if Hendon Hooker, obviously Noah, you said it, uh, if he can continue to play well, spread the ball out, especially focus on that deep ball, McCoy can make some plays for him against Alabama, and I think they've got a chance. Yeah, I mean. Their wide receiver stats are like their the wide receiver Incredible. averages. I mean, it's you've got guys who are averaging over twenty yards a catch for this team. I, I mean, even the guys with the highest number of receptions are averaging over ten yards a catch. This offense is can blitz Alabama, um, and and so if if they can click, it's going to be an interesting game. And I think you know all hell might break loose if if Tennessee beats Alabama. But um, coming back, Texas. Looked so good against Alabama, um, but unfortunately this week ended up uh, coming back to earth a little bit with a loss against Texas Tech um, in, a, in an overtime game where they uh, yeah, they probably should have won this game. Uh, definitely a game you need to be winning if you're Steve Sarkeesian um, with this Texas team. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this, this fall back to earth from Texas after coming so close against Alabama? I think the Bama game took a lot out of them. I think that they had they they were riding high. You know, game day was in town. Obviously, you know they're playing the number one team in the country. They sell out the stadium. It's 120 degrees on the field. You know, that's a tough week of practice after playing in 120 degree weather against the top team in the country for four quarters. Probably the Heisman favorite again in Bryce Young. You know, um, that Bama offensive line so good, so that that. Texas defensive line was really going through it. I, I know it was a week off and a week of practice in between, but to come out and lose to Texas Tech, obviously, I know they lost only by three, but that's that's a really tough, tough loss. I mean, Texas Tech, I know they're three and one, but am I a believer? No, I, I really I don't think Texas Tech has what it takes. And just like you said, I for Steve Sarkeesian, that's it's really not a good loss. I know. They're going to have to figure out some things with Ewers, you know, getting him back in the rotation. Um, obviously, Hudson Card's a reliable backup, but you know what? There's some there's there's some ground to be made up when when Ewers comes back, and he's going to have some he's going to have a lot of pressure on him to really back up that name in Texas. What Texas football means to the state, but um, I, I really I agree with you. No, I thought it was a terrible loss and that the Bama game took a lot out of them. The one thing I do have to say is that big 12, you know, being such a highly anticipated offensive conference, I'm very curious to see when Ewers comes back, how well he can play because everybody's like, I mean, it's been said he was the top rated quarterback in the last decade, according to, you know, pro football focus. and. I think that if he decided to, like, obviously he left Ohio State to come to Texas, 
could it not work out in Texas? Could he transfer because he's got another year until he can get to get to the NFL? So I, I'd be very curious individual from an individual perspective as to how Quinn Ewers can play in this Sarkeesian offense and what it means for Texas going forward. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, it's not, I mean, it's hard to say whether Quinn Ewers would have been able to lead the team to beat Alabama, but there's that, there's an argument to be made there uh, for sure. I look at their schedule and I mean, big 12 is, it's just going to be tough. They've got some tough games coming up. Uh, Oklahoma in two weeks, Oklahoma state top 10 team in four weeks, uh, Kansas state the next week, who just knocked off Oklahoma. Uh, TCU is no pushover. Kansas is undefeated. And then ending with Baylor, the big 10 or big 12 champion. So Steve Sarkeesian is going to need to turn this team around. I mean, being two and two with a loss against Texas tech is not an ideal way to start, to start the season. So they're, you know, as an unranked team, they're going to have to be, they're going to have to make some noise in the big 12. It's Steve Sarkeesian. I think if he wants to keep his job, because I, I don't know how much the Texas boosters are going to want uh, a guy leading their team to another five and seven season. So uh not a ton of leeway um, for him for the rest of the year. Uh, Will, I'll throw it back over to you uh, to pick, you know, one last game to talk about anything else uh, from this slate of games that interested you. I just got it. I just got to throw it out there. I thought the USC Oregon state game was pretty interesting. Just, I have to address the hype around USC going into the preseason. I, I, I was stunned. Lincoln Riley decided to leave Oklahoma. Um, you know, when you get not finding out that he got an offer that big from USC and all the amenities that he got with it, I don't blame him, but um, he had such a great program going in Oklahoma and so many highly talented recruits coming in in the future that have now decommitted from the Sooners. Uh, some of them have followed him to USC, but I, I think that the USC program, the way it's constructed now, could could really do some damage in the future. And I think this was a little bit of a scare for them, playing Oregon State, winning only 17-14. Obviously, Caleb Williams. Man, I mean, last year we were talking about him for Heisman this year, and, and he's been barely brought up in the conversation because of the fact that I, I know USC is undefeated, but has he played like a true Heisman candidate? Has he played better than um, you know Tennessee's quarterback down there? And has he played better than Bryce Young? No. Uh, so I, I think that, that um, there's some room. For, for improvement um, for Caleb Williams, even though he's playing with his, you know, he's not changing his coaches um, and he's pretty much keeping the same offense. But I think that there's a lot of room for growth, you know, going from, from Oklahoma to Southern California in LA is, is a hard adjustment in and of itself. So, and then moving from the big 12 to the PAC 12, there's still some really good teams out there, UCLA, Oregon, um, you know, they've got some good, there's some great teams. So, I think that when it comes right down to it, I'm more curious as to how this offense is going to progress with Caleb Williams, how he's going to play. Kind of going back to that that Arizona Cardinals chat that we had earlier on in this in the show is it's on Kyler Murray. I think you could just say it. It's on Caleb Williams. How's he gonna how's he gonna play and what's he gonna do with 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 Lincoln Riley? Because you can't make any excuses for the fact that, oh, he's got a he's got a new system. No, he's not. He's got the same head coach. They're calling pretty much the same plays and he's got to go out there and he's got to beat a team by like Oregon state by 14 or 17 points. Um, so this was a little bit of a scare. I know that they won, but going forward, playing those good teams in Oregon, you know, you go up to Eugene, you can't, if you're Caleb Williams, you can't not throw for 
for two plus touchdowns. You know, you got to, you got to perform. So um, I don't know about you, no, what, what are your thoughts on USC coming in with all that preseason hype? Yeah. So they've, they've definitely been able to show out with wins over Rice, Stanford and Fresno State, but that's just not a high level of competition for a team. Exactly. That, you know, it, it, especially if they're, you know, there's a world where they go undefeated and end up in the playoff conversation. So uh, I think it's, we need to take a look at some of the, the key games that they're going to be playing to, to be able to really measure this team up against some, some real teams. And I, I don't know if Oregon State is that team because they have Utah. Um, they're, they're traveling to Utah in three weeks. So that, that's a huge game for them because, they you know, the Pac-12 slate is, you know, there's some good teams in the Pac-12, but it's definitely not the you know, highest level conference, uh, especially comparative with the, the teams that you're going to find in the SEC or even the Big Ten to some extent and the Big 12, honestly. So uh, Utah game is going to – we're going to need to see Campbell Williams throw for more than 180 yards because uh, that's just not going to do it, especially when you've got Jordan Addison, a Blitnikoff winner, um, who, I mean, it, they've, you know, run up the score on some of these teams, but going to need to see a higher level of competition to see how this team can kind of stand up uh, to some of the better teams, how they could potentially, you know, how we talk about them within the playoff conversation. Uh, and I definitely agree. I mean, Caleb Williams very well could end up in the, the Heisman conversation just as a result of he, Jordan Addison, Lincoln Riley, if they can turn I mean, this is the first blip in the air. If they can turn it around, this very well could just be, you know, a, a national championship contender, not entirely convinced yet, but they could be on that path for sure. hundred percent. Totally agree. Awesome. Well, um, with that, we will be coming to an end of our episode today. Uh, it was good to review some of the, the teams that are at a bit of a, a pivotal point in their season in the NFL, uh, as well as talking about the remaining two undefeated teams and a little bit of talk in the AFC East uh, before moving on to a couple of the college football games uh, for this year. So uh, thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in to listen today, uh, and we'll talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.